Pat Versailles is going to come to read to us uh, God's Word. You'll find it on page 1084, John chapter 16, verses 5 to 16. Thank you, Pat. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Amen. Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the revelation of yourself, which we can lift our Bibles and read what kind of God did you are. Therefore, you're not a God who remains unknown to us. We can know you. We can know the truth about you, and we can know what you mean to us in our lives. So, Lord, as we have read your word here this morning, send your Spirit to open our hearts that we might know the truth about you and rejoice in you, our Redeemer, today. Amen. When you talk about the, God's gift of the Holy Spirit, there are many things you could talk about. So, this morning, I just want to talk about two aspects of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? We are Trinitarians. Uh, What God, the Holy Spirit, does in our life is intimately connected to who he is. And so, if I can just quickly remind you about who he is, although I, I appreciate that maybe what I'm about to say could could have a series of sermons in themselves, but this is important, that what we believe as Christians is, first of all, that the the Holy Spirit is a person and not an essence. The Holy Spirit is not uh, simply uh, the aroma of God or God's presence, the Father's presence in the world, Um, and so there's a connection there. But actually, the Bible itself says that he, he is a person in his own right. And, for example, uh, when Paul talks, uh, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You can only grieve a person. You can't grieve an essence. It's only a person can get upset or uh, unsettled or, or grieved. 
and saddened by the way that we live our lives. So the very fact that Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, implies that the Holy Spirit himself, therefore it's not an it, he's a him. Uh, Himself is a person. Therefore he is separate from God the Father and God the Son as Jesus. And therefore, secondly, that the Holy Spirit is God himself. Um, and, And in that we're bringing together three sets of scriptures on, on who God is. There's the, there's the collection of, of the fact that God is one. There is one God. Hear, the, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, Deuteronomy 6. Then there are other texts where there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized, the Father speaks from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. So there's a threeness there. But then there's this third category where each of these three persons are God himself. Now the three things together to us seem contradictory. How can you have one? God is one. There's three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and each of them is God. But there's not three gods because God is one. And so down through the years, to try and make it simpler for us, Christians have have taken away one of those three strands. But each one has led to what we believe is heresy. Uh, so you can take away God is one, uh, and you end up with three gods. But there's not three gods, there's one God. Or you can say that Jesus and the Holy Spirit aren't God, because God is one, so only the Father is God, and so Jesus and the Holy Spirit mustn't be God. But then there are other texts where, for example, Thomas says to Jesus after his resurrection, my Lord and my God. So our Christian understanding over the years of reflection has has brought us to, to try and make sense of these three sets of scriptures and so we believe that God is one he is Father, Son and Holy Spirit so we call it a trinity there's a threeness within God and so that is really important because when we talk about the Holy Spirit we are talking about a, a, a fundamental way that, of, of who the Holy Spirit is uh, for us in our lives many of us live with a two-thirds God. We know that the Father is the creator. He made this beautiful world, and you go out and you stand on a mountain or by a river, but you just enjoy this creation. You thank, you thank the Lord for his creativity in this creation, this, this gift of life that he's given to us. He's the creator. We know that Jesus is our Savior and Redeemer, and we thank you that he has forgiven our sins as we've been praying, and we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. But we're not sure what to think about the Holy Spirit. We're not sure how he operates in our life. And many other denominations may criticize us for the fact that they think we aren't really interested in the Holy Spirit. That by our worship or the fact that we don't give the Holy Spirit prominence, we're not really interested in it. Therefore, without realizing it, maybe your lives aren't really aware of what the Holy Spirit does in your life that many Christians settle for what we could say is two-thirds of God, the Father and the Son, but we neglect who the Holy Spirit is. But if the Holy Spirit is God himself, then we are missing something vitally in our Christian lives by not understanding who he is. Years ago, a man heard about chainsaws and how they could cut wood so much quicker than the handsaw he had for many years. So he went to the hardware store, and the salesman showed him several models, and then he took this one off the shelf, and he said, this is the best one. If you want the best, buy this one. 
So the man bought it and took it home. He came back the next day and he was exhausted. He says, I don't know. Something's wrong with this chainsaw that you showed me. I worked hard all day yesterday and I only cut three planks of wood. Now, with my old handsaw, I could cut 50 planks a day, but I only did three with this thing. Salesman says, that's really strange. I've never had this problem before. Let's take it out to the back and see what the problem is. So the salesman takes the chainsaw out to the back. As you can imagine, he pulls the cord, the engine starts, and the man who bought it stands back and says, what's the noise? (laughs) He tried to use that chainsaw the way he had always used a handsaw. No wonder he only cut three planks of wood the other day. Can you imagine uh, how exhausted he was if he tried to use it the way he had always used the previous saws? And yet every, all the time, Christians try to live victorious Christian lives without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to our lives. He is a gift to help us. And so what I want to share this morning is a little bit about how he is God's, the Father's gift to us. And so if you're asking me to do, what what does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, What is the, the... the main things he does in his life. There's lots of things he does. Uh, certainly he's there at creation. We know in Jesus, in the Old Testament, uh, he enables prophecy. Uh, the prophets are filled with the Spirit. and They can speak God's word into situations. Jesus, particularly in Luke's Gospel, you'll see how much Jesus is led by the Spirit. And uh, he performs healings in the power of the Spirit. And then you come to the New Testament, uh, the Corinthians, you'll see there's gifts of the Spirit, ranging from administration to healings uh, to words of insight. But what is the main thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives? And if I had to say two... I would bring it down to these two things. What is the Holy Spirit? The main thing he is to us is in terms of mentoring and in terms of flood lighting. So what do I mean by mentoring? A mentor is defined as a wise and trusted counselor or teacher. Richard Branson wants to start up his airplane, Business Virgin Atlantic, he asks Freddie Laker for guidance. Bill Gates wants to start up Microsoft, so he asked Warren Buffett for help and guidance. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook credits Steve Jobs of Apple for, inspire, for being an inspiring mentor in his life. A mentor is a wise and trusted counselor, someone to guide you or teacher. Through the Bible, you see people mentoring others. Uh, Eli mentors Samuel. Samuel mentors King Saul and David and King David. Elisha mentors King Jehoash. Jesus mentors his disciples. But in John 16, the role that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to do in our lives has this idea of mentoring us. Now, Jesus uses a word in Greek, which is paraclete. And so in 
we just read a small part, but in chapter 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And verse 26, but the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 1526, when the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And then in chapter 16, verse 6, unless I go away, the paraclete will not come to you. Now what is a paraclete? The paraclete in Greek was someone who was called alongside. Someone who was called alongside. And so if you were in a court of law, the person who... The paraclete who comes alongside you would speak in your defense and provide counsel. And so in that sense, they are an advocate. So does Jesus mean here that the Holy Spirit will be an advocate? He will speak in our defense and he will counsel us. So there's a, the law court setting, the law court setting of the paraclete. But there's another setting and that's when someone comes alongside you to guide and encourage you as a paraclete. So they come alongside you in this sense to encourage you. In that sense, they are a counsellor. And so translators have to decide which way do we interpret this word? What did Jesus mean by giving the Holy Spirit this term paraclete? Is he our advocate who speaks in our defence? Or is he more like a a counsellor who comes? So the NIV uh, that we read as well as RSV and a few other translations, opts for this understanding that the Holy Spirit's role as the one who comes alongside us is in terms of counsellor. So I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So there's those same passages again, the NIV with the word counsellor in. But the word is someone who comes alongside you. Those of you who enjoy the King James Version had the word comforter. But the word comforter has lost its meaning from what it meant in the 17th century. The word comforter then meant someone who strengthens. That's why the word fort is in it. Something that's strong, that strengthens, comforter. But now it has more of a therapeutic meaning. So it's... You can misunderstand what Jesus was was saying there from how some languages, the language has changed. But here Jesus means someone, the Holy Spirit is given a unique name, the paraclete, someone who comes alongside you to counsel you. But to come alongside you, to mentor you, to counsel you for what purpose? What's the purpose that he has come alongside you for? Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, this paraclete, this counselor, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father and the Son, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So your mentor in your life, that's his role, to guide you into all the truth. But the truth about who? The truth about Jesus. And so here is this idea of what we might call flood lighting. And so in verse 14, he will bring 
Jesus says, glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He is the mentor to guide you into all the truth about Jesus, but a kind of a different way of looking at that, that he is bringing glory to Jesus, uh, because he's talking about the truth about Jesus. He shines on Jesus. He is bringing the significance of Jesus to our lives. So why have I called it floodlighting? Think about floodlighting. How many of you see some floodlights and you look at them and you go, wow, they're bright. Aren't they beautiful? Whoever looks at the floodlights, unless you're planning to buy some for yourself, but what's the purpose of floodlighting? When something is floodlit, it, it makes you attracted to what it's shining on. That's the purpose of floodlighting. You don't look at the floodlights. You look at what the floodlights are illuminating. They attract you to what they are shining on. The Holy Spirit doesn't shine on himself and say, look at me. He is shining on Jesus, and he wants you to say, look at Jesus. He will bring glory to me. He will make me great. That's the Holy Spirit role. The Spirit is to make Christ glorious, to make him utterly important to you. His ministry of floodlighting or shining on Jesus is to illuminate his importance over your life. So I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. But we maybe, in our denomination, maybe don't draw attention to him because his role is to proclaim Jesus. And if Jesus is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is doing his role. So what does the Holy Spirit do? If I brought it down to two things that he does in our lives, it's the idea of mentoring you in your faith, bringing the truth about Jesus, and in the sense of floodlighting, glorifying Jesus. But just not that it becomes new information. Oh, you discover a a truth that you didn't know before, or you understand the Trinity in a a new way. It's not just about new information, it's that 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 information will reign in your heart. That's the important thing. Not that it stays here, but the truth resides in your heart, because whatever is king of your heart will rule your life. Sometimes we have temptations, and we give in to them. And we know it's wrong, because we know it's wrong in our head. But what we give into is, the, is, is what has power in our heart. And so whatever is more powerful in your heart will affect the way you live your life. Who is king of your heart? Somebody writes that they have a brother-in-law, and when they used to visit them, he would never wear a seatbelt. And uh, they used to kid, this friend, this brother-in-law used to kid each other, why don't you wear your seatbelt? He says, well, I'd never wear a seatbelt. One day he gets in the car and immediately he clicks his seatbelt in and says, get your seatbelt on. And his brother-in-law said, to what do we owe this great transformation of character? What's happened? Something deep has happened to you because for years I've been trying to get you to wear your seatbelt and now all of a sudden you're saying, get your seatbelt on. What's happened? So he says, I'll tell you what happened. I went to see a friend of mine who didn't have a seatbelt on and went through his windscreen and who had something like 200 stitches in his face. Ever since I saw him in the hospital, I have always worn my seatbelt. So the two of them began to talk about this because they're both Christians. And they said, did you get new information to make you start wearing your seatbelt? Is that what made the change? Did you not 
Did you not know that if you have your seatbelt on, 75% of all accidents which were fatal wouldn't be fatal? Didn't you know these statistics? He says, I knew it all. I knew the statistics. It wasn't that he got new information. What he had was an experience of that information when he went to see his friend in hospital and saw the stitches on his face. And the information came to his heart in a new way. And suddenly he changed his pattern of living. The Holy Spirit's role is not just to tell you the truth about Jesus and how glorious Jesus is, but to make that knowledge captivate your heart so that that truth becomes an experience in how you live your life. When people feel confused, when they feel stuck in life, they tend to want to do one of two things. And maybe you know some people who are like this. They either want to change their circumstances. I need a new job. I need a new boss. I need a new spouse. I need a new kind of freedom. When they're confused or when they're stuck in life and they feel life's a rut, they might want to change their circumstances because they think by changing their circumstances, they'll get a new lease of life. Or they think the answer is new information to their stuckness of life. I need a different guide to my life. Uh, So they go and sign up for a new night class, or they buy the latest guru guru book that's been promoted on morning television as the answer to to really living your life. Give me the steps I need to make me feel better about myself. So people are confused or they feel their life's in a rut. They've got two choices that there seems to be to change their circumstances or to get new information that will change their life. But our personal problems have never been solved by new circumstances or new information because our problem is that we are not real with the truth that is there with Jesus. So 20 years ago, someone may have said to you, you're worthless. And you can't forget what those words meant to you. And you've lived your life since then as if you're worthless. Even though there's all sort of evidence from friends and other people that tell you that's not true. But because somebody said some kind of criticism that was a wound to your heart, you have let that little comment determine everything else. You're not being real with the truth, and so you live with this untruth of one comment that you're worthless. The Bible is absolutely filled with statements of God's love and commitment to you. But you live as if it's unreal, even though there's all the evidence in the world that it's true, that even Jesus died on a cross because he loves you. Here is love, vast as the ocean. You're not being real with the truth of God's love about you and care for you because you will not let the truth of who he is captivate your soul. Because you're not letting the Holy Spirit do his work. You're not reading the scriptures so that the Holy Spirit can take this revelation of Jesus and let allow the Holy Spirit to shine the glory of Jesus and the truth about Jesus and let that truth and significance define your life. You'd rather live in the untruth about one comment somebody said 20 years ago than what God himself says of you. 
If you don't read it, you don't allow the Holy Spirit to take this book and tell you who you are and how great God is. If you don't make Sunday worship a commitment for you and your family, how will you know? You will let yourself be defined by the other six days of the week of what the media and the magazines and the TV and the films all say about what life's about, rather than the truth about what God says life is about. The commitment of Sunday worship, the Bible reading, even life groups, that's the whole motivation for life groups. That there's another opportunity in small community settings where you can allow the truth of who God is revealed in Scripture live in your heart and your life and give opportunities for the Holy Spirit to do his job as God's, the Father's gift of himself to our world. To mentor you into the truth about Jesus, a floodlighting the glory of Jesus and not just give you new information but to make Jesus be experienced as supreme in your heart. Some people want a tame Jesus. They don't want a glorious Jesus. They don't want the truth about Jesus because that truth has implications for how they will live their life. They'd rather have a two-thirds God than a Trinitarian God with the role of the Spirit at work in their lives. But you know what the result is? The result for such people is that you still live in fear. Because you need the Holy Spirit as the one who brings the Lordship of Jesus into your entire being. The result is that you live in discouragement. I think that you're, that, that you're not good enough uh, for God to be pleased with you. That you feel condemned because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to apply the salvation and righteousness of Jesus over your circumstances. The result is exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion as a Christian. You're not, because you're trying to cut the wood of your life without using the engine that has been provided. Allow God's gift of the Holy Spirit to do his job of mentoring you into the truth about Jesus so that it rests in your heart. Jonathan Edwards a preacher in, in New England in the 18th century, said to his congregation one day, if you're a Christian, you believe in the love of God. He says to this congregation, but why are you always feeling snubbed? Why are you always feeling slighted? Why are you always getting upset that people have insulted you or haven't noticed you or ignored you? Why are you devastated by criticism? And then he said to his congregation, because the love of God isn't real to you. Because if God's love was real to you, it wouldn't matter at all what everybody else says with their little comments or being ignored or not being noticed. Do you know what it means to fall in love? It means to see somebody's glory. When you fall in love with somebody, that person becomes the most important, weighty thing in your life. Great story about an artist who was so in love with his fiancée that he couldn't paint a painting without getting her in it somewhere. No matter what it was, whether it was a landscape or a portrait, there she was right under the apple tree or there she was right in the background of the painting. Why? Because his love for her was in his heart and therefore filled every part of his life. Here's a lovely image of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit so fills you with the love for Jesus that he fills your life in every situation, yet you, you paint Jesus into every situation of your life. His presence is so near you wherever you go. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us to constantly shine on the love of Jesus has for us. 
So just to finish, maybe you're asking, how do I begin to let the Holy Spirit do his work of grace in my life? How do I let him floodlights shine on Jesus and his glory? How do I let him lead me into the truth of Jesus in my heart? How do I allow him to make known the love of Jesus in the center of my being? How do I let this personal divine presence come alongside me and walk with me in my life? How do I allow him to do his great work of mentoring and floodlighting? The answer is very easy. If you're asking that question, the very fact that you're asking it is a work of God's Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit because you wouldn't be asking this question. You wouldn't be wanting to know more about the truth about Jesus. You wouldn't be asking, how can I glorify Jesus more if the Holy Spirit was not in your life making you to want to ask that? That's his role. He wants you to ask that question. To ask the question means that you see your need of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit at work. To ask this question means that you want Jesus' love and truth to be more glorious. That's the Holy Spirit's work. So let him do his work. As you open your Bible, ask him to lead you to Jesus. To shine Jesus. To make him see how precious your Redeemer is. Your comforter and your guide and your hope and your encourager and friend. Ask him to show how Jesus is the answer to your fears. Because he's, he's the king. Ha- ask him to see how he is your significance in a world out there that tries to put you down all the time. Some of you need to repent of your own sin and your own righteousness. Stop saying, look Lord how good I am. The Holy Spirit is shining on Jesus. This is how great Jesus is. And humble yourself before him. Let Jesus' righteousness be the robe of honor that you wear. Let the Holy Spirit uh, do his work as you commit yourself to his call to be a disciple and seek opportunities for you to grow. Come to Sunday worship. Where am I going from here? I want to start with Matthew's Gospel. And we're going to start that as we journey into Advent and Christmas. And we're just going to read about Jesus. And allow the Holy Spirit Sunday by Sunday that as we read the story of Jesus to make Jesus be glorious in your life.